here's a stat to shake your shoes. 60% of women have never negotiated a salary or a raise. Yes, the same women who have been fighting to have a seat at the table and earn the same amount as their male counterparts are not asking for what they deserve. A lack of knowledge and confidence is keeping them, and I'm assuming you as well, from earning a living that even the good Lord wants them to achieve. The reality is the more you make, the more you can give back, right? So I asked Peggy Bodie, a corporate leader and mentor with 25 years of business and career experience to join me to chat about how to appropriately and proactively go about negotiating a salary raise or benefits and the fun ways you can be creative in your ask to get you to the place where you can thrive even more. So get focused and have something to jot down all the important goodies as this episode is packed with knowledge. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Faith Inspired Podcast by Faith and Gather. I'm your host, Erica Dvorak. Join me and the Faith and Gather community as we become faith-inspired to tackle every area of life. Career, faith, motherhood, loss, fitness, fashion, health, and more. Girl, we're going to meet you right where you're at, right where you need it, keeping you one step ahead of the devil, armed with knowledge to fight your everyday battles, and live a life faith-inspired. Come on, girl. Let's get it. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Faith Inspired Podcast. So excited to have you here with me today. Today, we are talking about negotiating a salary or a raise. I am incredibly passionate about this topic as I have seen so many women accept salaries, benefits, or even like less than acceptable raises that do not match the level of expertise and experience that they have. But I think that there's a reason why 60% of women have not ever negotiated a salary or raise. It is scary and it can be super uncomfortable, but only if you do not have the right tools and knowledge to feel confident. And that is why I've asked Peggy Bodie to be on the show today. Peggy is the former senior vice president of Petzl America, a vertical equipment and hands-free lighting company headquartered in France. She resigned from her position in 2014 to start Word Studio Inc., a freelance writing business. Her clients include various marketing firms and educational publishers such as McGraw-Hill Education and Houghton Mifflin Harcourt. Peggy's also the founder of Sacred Work, a ministry that provides free career and leadership coaching for women. And she is also represented by a literary management team who is working with her to bring her book to the market. And her working title is Sacred Work, Equipping Christian Women to Lead with Strength, which was birthed from Peggy's 25 years as a corporate leader and the mentoring she continues to do with her ministry. So as you can tell, Peggy is more than qualified to provide advice and guidance on this topic. So Peggy, thank you so much for being on the show today. We're so excited to have you. Thank you, Erica, for that warm welcome and introduction. I have to tell you, I listen to your podcast regularly, so I'm especially excited to be with you. 
Thank you for having me. Oh, that makes me so happy. Thank you. I appreciate that. So I just had a mouthful of all the amazing experiences that you have had throughout your life. So I'm not sure if there's much more to tell, but I'm sure there is on a personal level. So if you want to give kind of like a one or two minute overview, a little bit more on who Peggy is, that would be great. Absolutely. I live in a small mountain town in Colorado. I have an adult daughter who works in business. She lives in Salt Lake City. And my husband and I are both in our second act careers. So as you mentioned, I'm a former executive turned full-time writer, and he's a former engineer turned artist. So we're both um, living out our dreams in this small mountain town. I am a tomboy at heart, so I spend a lot of time outside. As you mentioned, um, I write textbooks for a living, but my passion is writing about leadership and career development from a Christian perspective. That's my passion and my mission, and that's how my foundation ties into what I do. And as you alluded to, even though women have made great strides in career and leadership development, there are still workplace barriers and challenges to overcome. So my mission is to continue to be a resource for them. Mm, Love it. Love it. And I'm very jealous of that small mountain town. I know last time that Peggy and I connected, she was talking about how she bikes all the time. You actually had a bike in your background and you were just telling about all the amazing things that you get to do on the weekends. And I was very, very jealous. So she's living the life all. She's living the life. <laughs> so jumping into the topic, because like I said, I am super passionate about this. This is just something that really um, turns my gears when women do not give themselves the benefit of the doubt and give themselves an opportunity to either, you know, make more money or increase benefits or whatever it may be. So where does one start when they want to negotiate a raise or a salary increase from an offer? You know, what type of questions should they ask themselves or is there any research that they should do ahead of time? This is a great question. And I just wanted to tag another stat on to the one that you shared, Erica. And that is that in 2020, the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics reported that women earned 82% of what men earned for doing the same work. And from mentoring, I know that most women are hesitant to ask for a pay increase or a raise. And what I try to do is offer a process that breaks that down and makes it manageable. So asking and answering the right questions is the perfect place to start. So I tell women to begin with an outline, do the research, take a lot of notes, and then at the end of the process, condense what they want to present to their boss, you know, down into just a one-page document. But let's talk about the questions first. So I see the questions in two buckets. The first bucket are the big picture questions. So these questions are like, what's going on with the labor market? What's going on with the economy? So for example, right now, in a lot of industries, there's a labor shortage. Millennials are leaving companies in droves. The job market is very competitive. The economy is stronger now than it was a year ago. So these factors create a backdrop for the negotiation. So it's important that we're aware of them. And another big picture question is what's going on in your specific company? So for example, is the company getting ready to switch to 100% remote work? If you manage a team, that gives you extra leverage. Are there big projects planned for the next year that you'll be a major contributor to, like a new software system or a rebranding? 
If so, that's leverage. So these are the big picture questions that kind of lay the foundation for the more detailed questions. And that's the second bucket of questions. So the first one is, what's the salary range for your position? And you have to drill down a little deeper than that. You can't just go into Google and type, what's the going salary for a program analyst or a marketing strategist? You have to dig into the company size, the geographical region, and the industry. There are a lot of resources available that can help with this, but I always tell women, create a spreadsheet, document the source, document the inputs, and the salary range that came out as a result, because that way you have a short list of credible sources in case your boss asks for it. The other benefit it has is it really helps you see outliers, and it gives you clarity about how your current salary fits into the data, and that helps you decide what you want to ask for. I love that you say the geographical region because I have had the opportunity to interview at some companies that were in like Silicon Valley. And my goodness, the salary that I could earn in California compared to earning in Minnesota is crazy. And I would say if you're looking for a remote job, you may be able to be looking for jobs out in the West Coast because then you get paid you know, more than what you would locally. But yeah, if you're working in Minnesota or Alabama or whatever, you're your salary is probably not going to be as high as it would be in New York or California just because the cost of living is way higher. That is such a great point. We were talking about where I live in Pagosa Springs earlier, and most people that come here come because of the outdoors and the solitude, et cetera, because they are not coming here for a high-paying salary. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> That geography, where you live or where the company's headquartered, a lot of times will impact the salary for the position. So that's a really good point. The next question that you have to ask is how many years experience do you have? So some online calculators will ask you for your experience to calculate the final salary range, but some don't. Even if they don't, you can assume the impact of your experience. So what I mean by that is, If you do your research and it comes out with a range of 60 to 70 K, for example, and you have 10 years of experience, you can assume and understand that that experience level is going to push you toward the upper end of the range. The next question is, do you have a relevant degree? So at the bachelor's level, this is not so important. But if you have a master's degree and you plan on using that as a data point to calculate your salary range, it needs to be relevant to the job you're doing. This is important to remember because almost all online salary calculators will ask you to select your degree as part of the overall calculation. So, for example, if you have a master's in geography, but you work in business as a project manager, you shouldn't select graduate as the highest level of education completed because that's going to skew the results. Oh, I would have never thought of that. The next question is, what is your company's total benefit package and how does that compare to other companies? So the total benefit package will include health, life um, insurance, disability, short-term and long-term insurance, paid leave, bonuses, company car, all of those things are part of the total benefit package. And I wanted to mention, Erica, a couple of resources that people might not be aware of that can be super helpful 
to answer this question and some of the previous ones. At the state level, the Department of Workforce Services is a great place to get compensation studies, which include benefit packages. So if you try to look online, it can be a little confusing because different states call these studies different things. So the easiest thing to do is get a phone number and call and have them email it to you. The other resource is the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. So at the national level, there are a lot of reports available that provide information about total benefit packages across the United States. So I just wanted to mention that in case your listeners want to know, you know what resources are available to help them. As far as the total benefits package, this may not be something that you use when you sit down to negotiate your salary, but it is really good to have this information because I think it rounds out your perspective before you go into the negotiation process. Let's see, the last question. So all the previous questions talked about what we want to get from our employer, what we're, what we're getting paid, what we hope to get paid, what benefits we're receiving, what we could potentially ask for. But this question is more about what we're contributing. So what we have to ask ourselves is what have we done to increase the company's profitability, to increase the company's efficiency, to increase the company's sales? Since this question zeroed in on our contributions, it has to be an area with tangible results. So for example, I was helping someone recently and she had listed I helped increase customer satisfaction. Well, that won't cut it. What did you do? How did you do it? And what were the results that brought value to the company? So if you cut costs, how did you cut costs? And by what amount? What dollar amount did you save? If you increase sales, by how much? So we have to really quantify our accomplishments and treat them you know, as statistics, just like we did with the rest of our research. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And that reminds me of going back to the resume in general. That's something that I learned is you always have to have a stat to back up what you're claiming. So just what you were saying, like, how did you increase for me, the marketing stuff? How did you increase engagement or how much engagement did you increase it by? You can't just say I increased engagement on Instagram. Well, I actually increased engagement on Instagram by 25%. Perfect. And so I believe that's what you're saying here is showing, you know, this is how I have benefited the company. And what maybe like popped in my head was time doesn't always equal increase. So I think the old school thought was, you know, you spend 10 years at a company and you could just be sitting at your desk doing the bare minimum. Well, nowadays that doesn't really cut it. You need to be pushing the bottom line for the company to be able to get these increases and these benefits. So you have to do your part as well. So time doesn't always equal the increase. It can be a part of the conversation as it should, because if you're working your butt off there and you're there for five years and haven't gotten anything, then you need to mention that. But yeah, that time doesn't always equal the increase if you're not doing your part. Yeah. So I think... A final question that women need to ask themselves that requires a lot of reflection and introspection is, what am I willing to settle for? So 
Most women I mentor are facing the same challenge. Their compensation doesn't match the value they believe they're bringing to the organization. So before they go into the negotiation, I tell them, make a list of three asks in priority order. And their goal is at minimum to walk away with the lowest priority ask. And I think we're going to talk a little bit later about options that are outside of compensation that women can counter with. So I'll circle back to this, but I do think every woman needs to assess her personal and professional goals and decide before she walks in to that negotiation, what am I willing to settle for? Fantastic, fantastic questions. And so it just goes back to, you can't just assume that you're worth something. You know, we, we all like to think that we're, we're worth an extra, you know, five to 10 grand when we're asking for a salary increase or whatever it may be, but you have to back that up and you have to back that up with legitimate resources because a lot of times you're bringing it to your boss, but then your boss has to go to bat for you. And so they're putting themselves on the line in order to get you a bigger increase of salary or benefits or whatever it may be. So you're helping them by creating a case, so to speak, to, to get you more benefits or um, something that would support you and your family a little bit better. That is so true. The easier you make it for your boss, the uh, higher your chances are going to be of success. That is the truth. Yeah. So you had mentioned, you know, uh, like a one pager, but I had been told, you know, even like a PowerPoint would be great. And I think it depends on what kind of organization you're at, like if you're at a bigger one or smaller one, but what are some of the best methods of documentation once you have all of this information down, you know, what is the best way to present it? Or like I had said, does it depend on the organization? What's your experience with that? My experience is that you do have to take into account the culture and size of the organization, but also your boss's preferred format and how much bandwidth your boss has to devote to this topic. So we have to assume that our bosses are super busy and that this topic it's funny to think about, but it's also not a comfortable one for our bosses. (laughs) So we want to roll it out using the method that works with their specific personality and the time constraints that they may have. So my experience, for example, is that I had one boss who was very traditional and old school. So he needed papers in front of him to write on. I mean, I, I knew that from working with him. So um, in that case, I would give him, you know, paper copies. But another boss carried his iPad. He preferred everything to be in digital format. And so I changed my presentation to match his preferred style. Um, so we have to use every detail and put it in our favor. So that also is true of the culture of the organization. So if the schedule is so busy that Your boss might be overwhelmed by a full PowerPoint presentation. That's something you have to use your best judgment to decide. So for me and the women I've coached, having a one-page document with backup documentation on hand just in case seems to work best. And the reason for that is if there's kind of a psychological element, if you say to um, your boss that, okay, I've got this presentation that I'm going to do about the salary increase I'm proposing for myself. 
that comes across a little differently than having a, a one-page bulleted document to outline what you're requesting and what you're asking for. So I think it comes down to the culture of the company and your boss's personal preference. But either way, you don't want to overwhelm them by taking up too much time or taking up too much real estate on paper or on the screen, because I think that's immediately going to lead to kind of a psychological shutdown, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's super, super helpful. And like you had said, I mean, you can have that simple printout, but then you can create a PowerPoint if you want to on the the, the back side of it and then have that in your back pocket. Say like, you know, I, I, I created this. If you'd like more information, I can send you something. And that might be really impressive at that time, but then, you know, it's just not all, I mean, like you had said, they're overwhelmed already and it's an uncomfortable position for them already. And it's not that they don't want to give you these things. My husband, he was just able to do a promotion for somebody on his team and he was super excited. You know, he was just like, you know, it's awesome to be able to do this, but on the flip side, it would just be super awkward for him um, to deal with this situation because we're all, we're all human. So yeah, the, the easier you right. can make it for them, the better they're human, just like you. That's a great point. And I have had women who have done their presentations all digital and some who have done all paper. I think um, if you choose to go all digital, I would caution against not having a paper copy handy just in case. Technology is great, but when it doesn't work, it usually doesn't work at the worst possible time. (laughs) Yes, always. Just in case something happens with the internet, your computer, your boss's computer, you want to be prepared so you can keep the meeting on target and moving smoothly. So so it it might be in your best interest to have a paper copy just as backup, just in case. Fantastic. Awesome. Good point there you alluded that we were going to talk about this. And this is something that I love because this one's near and dear to my heart. I want to know, you know, if negotiating a salary or raise doesn't work in terms of like the financial aspect of it, you know, what benefits can they counteract with? And then this is what I'm passionate about for me in particular is, you know, I've been negotiating a lot of flexibility with my com- current position. And in my job, you know, I've been there for two years and it probably would be the right time to be asking for a raise or some type of benefit increase. But for me right now in my life, the number one benefit that works for me and my family is the flexibility and the ability to be able to be in and out when I can and, you know, have certain days off of the week. And so that's why, you know, I haven't felt the need to ask for a raise on a monetary level because I've been getting so many benefits from the flexibility and then be working with me on that. But what can the listeners, you know, kind of negotiate with when it's something that doesn't deal with money? If the money part, if like, you know, in COVID right now, you know, some companies have been flourishing and other companies it's like, oh man, they are really having a tough time. So asking for a raise is like not the thing to do. You're going to get most likely an immediate no. So what are other kind of benefits that they can negotiate with? I love this option because, or this, this part of the topic, because it allows women to have a choice. You know, they can choose what is most valuable to them personally and professionally. So one of the options, like you mentioned, that I see a lot of women requesting is flexibility. You know, one woman um, that I just spoke with a couple of weeks ago 
negotiated um, the ability to work remotely without having to ask permission every time. So she can do it whenever she needs to um, and feel comfortable in that. And that was really important to her. That was more important to her than getting a 4% pay increase. So flexibility is one option, as you described, that you use for yourself, Erica. And then another one is paid time off. So paid time off is usually regulated by HR pretty closely, but I know that um, a lot of women have negotiated a one-time PTO award, which is tied to merit in lieu of a raise. And this allowed them to spend more time with their kids during the first year of the pandemic when the job market and economy were suffering and there wasn't money um, you know, the, the company wasn't divvying out raises uh, readily, they did give paid time off. So that's one option. Um, maternity leave can be a little complicated because there are usually FMLA and state law implications tied in with maternity leave. So companies are not likely to break from their stated policies, but they are likely, as I just mentioned, to agree to a one-time PTO award. And as one professional said to me last month, it doesn't matter what they call it. You know, if the end result is that you get more time off, then <laughs> that's all that matters. Another option is a title change. So a woman might ask for a title change to match how she's developed her current position. It doesn't cost the company a penny, but it can build out her resume in a way that can help her find a more desirable position in the future. Another option is a one-time bonus payout. So employers are more likely to do this as opposed to a raise because it costs them less in the long run. But I do tell women who um, are leaning toward this option that it's less desirable for them because the salary that you make today can and most likely will impact the salary you make in your next job. So that's a downside for you. In addition to that, bonuses are taxed more heavily because the payment is considered supplemental. It's not part of your regular income. So you may only end up with 60% of the original figure. You know, that figure sounds great, but then if you only end up with 60% of it, not so great. So that's, those are some kind of pros and cons to weigh with a bonus. Another option that I really like is to ask your employer to pay educational expenses. So the big selling point here is that businesses can deduct the entire amount as a business expense. And they don't even have to pay taxes on the first 5,000 or so. A new tax law came out last year that allows employers to pay off student loan debt for employees and they can deduct them out. Wow. The businesses can. So that's a great one to ask because the employer is giving, but they're also, you know, getting a tax break. <laughs> so I think it's a really smart negotiating point. So those are all options that women can choose that don't, you know, that are different and outside of compensation. But, you know, I think it's which ones they choose are going to be extremely personal depending on their needs. Like you mentioned with your situation, flexibility was imperative for you. So I think we have to weigh our personal goals, our professional goals, and then choose the options. And these options are what I would add into my short list of three asks. So I would put, you know, if your top priority is an 8% increase, 
then I would choose two other options in priority order and add those to my list. And, and that kind of gives you and frames your negotiation strategy. Really good. And I'm like getting, this is so funny. I'm such a nerd about this, but I'm like getting like super excited, like excited butterflies as we talk about this, because like it, it is seriously, I feel like such a nerd, but really like, you know, you get so nervous about the negotiations, but this is fun. This is fun stuff. Like you have the ability to like craft your life basically here and come with some creative ideas on how to make it work for you and your employer. And they've got to respect that a little bit. You know, if you understand that, you know, the salary or the salary or the hourly wage, whatever it may be, doesn't work for them or you, then, you know, you have this fun opportunity. I really, really liked that, that title change because, if you are wanting to move up in a role, a lot of times in an organization, you can't do that. There might be, you know, people in front of you, or it might be an older kind of run organization and it's just tougher. So negotiating that title is huge because then a year from now, you know, you have a manager title, you have all that experience to put on your resume, and that's just going to help propel you for your increase in salary for that next job opportunity. And I loved the educational part. I always forget about that, but at one of my old employers, I was, you know, school wasn't something that I was looking for, but I, I wanted to do a certificate. And I think they had an allowance of like 2,500 a year. And I was able to get a professional certification with them, which was super exciting and super cool. And that's actually been something that's helped me land other jobs in the future. So I think as you had said, Peggy, you have to think about you're negotiating for now, but you're also negotiating for your future. So say you negotiate and you get like a five grand increase. Well, think what that's going to do for your next job and the job after that and the job after that. It's a snowball effect that, you know, 20 years from now, if you never asked for that raise, you know, what that would have looked like for you and your family financially. And it goes, you know, same thing for all these other different types of creative opportunities when you're asking for benefits too. Well, so good. So good. So I hate to bring this up, but it is something that is a reality. So I want, want to talk on it because this could be, this could be really tough. So you do all this research, you're super excited about it. You bring, you know, all these like no brainer alternatives to your employer. And then their answer is no. What can you do to either like continue to state your case or what are really the appropriate next steps and timing to, to bring it up again? I am glad that we're talking about this because I'm the type of person, and I'm sure many of your listeners are, that I always go to the worst case scenario first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're human. So this might be a great place to offer some encouragement. I have to say that you know, I've been mentoring women for over 20 years. And if I count my own experience in following a process exactly like this or very similar to this, I've only had one woman come back to me who said that she walked away with nothing. Mm. And that was actually good for her because it propelled her to take the same strategies that we use to prepare for the ask into uh, negotiations to start at a new company at a much higher salary than what she was making. So all was not lost. So I just say that because I know that we can't control all the factors that someone is walking into when they're asking for a pay increase. 
But I do want to encourage women to have faith in themselves and their accomplishments and to trust the process. But if the answer is no, I think there are two questions you have to think about. The first one is why. Why did your boss not agree with what you asked for? Are there financial issues in the company that you weren't aware of? Is there a gap between how you see your contributions and how your boss sees them? Or does your boss not give a reason? The one woman who um, who walked away without anything, the reason was, if I do this for you, I have to do it for everyone, <laughs> which is lame. <laughs> That's not acceptable. So you have to stop and look at the reason why you were told no. So the second thing is a question for yourself. Are you satisfied with what you're walking away with, even though it wasn't your top choice? So maybe you got two weeks of PTO and a title change, or maybe you're walking away knowing that your company is going to invest in your education. Um, So if that's the case and you didn't get, you know, you didn't get your number one ask, but you got something else and you feel it's equitable, then I would let it go for a year. If your boss only agreed to the minimum, for example, just a title change, which costs the company nothing, then I close the negotiation by requesting to revisit the request in six months. So that shows your boss that this, this issue is important to you and that you're not letting it drop. But you're also allowing for a reasonable amount of time you know, to go by. And you talked about your husband's experience as someone awarding a raise. And I love that because my experience is that most employers want to pay their employees fairly, but they are human. They get busy. Sometimes they don't do their homework. Sometimes they don't go to bat hard enough. Um, And a negotiation like the one we're talking about really wakes them up. There are other times when bosses and leaders can be apathetic and they're more numbers driven than people aware. And in those cases, they don't hear the wake up call until an employee leaves. Mm -hmm. But I think we have to focus on what I've seen to be true over and over in my own experience and with the women I've worked with. And that's that most employers want to pay their employees fairly. So I encourage women to go through this exercise. It's empowering, it's eye-opening on a lot of different levels. And if a woman decides to pursue employment elsewhere, then this process and all the documentation she's collected can help her negotiate her starting salary there. Mm-hmm. And I would say too, you know, even if you're not prepared yet, say you've been in the position for like six months or your review isn't coming up for a few months, I would just start doing this work ahead of time just to give you an idea. And it might be really encouraging Um, And it'll give you just, you know, maybe some things, maybe you look at it and you're like, shoot, I haven't been holding up my end of the bargain. And this will help prepare you to start doing that, those types of tasks or adding that type, those types of responsibilities to your role and asking for more engagement and involvement um, to then prepare you for this conversation. Because I mean, there's nothing wrong with being proactive and being prepared doing it last minute is almost, I think, kind of harmful because then you're, you haven't done the work to earn you the increase or earn you the flexibility, whatever it may be. So starting ahead of time, I think would be a really good idea on this too. That's a great point. Because one thing that I've heard over and over is that women are caught off guard in the moment. You know, they, they, their boss scheduled the standard, here's your raise, sign the paperwork meeting. And the women assume that the boss is going to do the right thing or 
they're going to be on the same page. And then when you're sitting across the table and you have this paper being pushed at you to sign, it's really uncomfortable. And most women just give in and sign, mm-hmm. <laughs> even though it's not what they want. And I think that goes back to what you said is, is you should be prepared for this discussion because this is your income, it's your family, it's your life. Um, so it's important to, to be prepared. And if a scenario like that one that I just described happens, it's totally okay to say, I'd like some time to look at this and I'd mm-hmm. like to schedule a short 15 or 20 meeting or minute meeting where we can talk about it. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. But being prepared is is the best, you know, before that moment ever happens, that's the best avenue to take for sure. Yeah. You have to be your, you have to be your advocate because although you think that your boss is going to, and I, for the most part, I think like 95% of bosses are, they like are all for their team and in their favor, but like you had said, they're just so busy. And so you have to be your advocate for yourself, your family, just be your own advocate. Right. Awesome. Well, Peggy, thank you so much for being on today. Honestly, like I said, I'm such a nerd when it comes to this, but this excites me so much. Like I just want women to give themselves the benefit of the doubt and know that they are worth more what they think they are and just to do the research and you don't have to take what's given to you. I don't, I wish I would have written down the statistic of like what the difference is between men and women. But I know that one time I was working with an HR executive um, who was part of a professional organization and she herself didn't ask or negotiate for a raise and her husband she had told her husband she got the job offer and accepted. And he goes, great. What did you negotiate back with them? And she was like, what are you talking about? He's like, honey, you never, <laughs> ever, ever accept what they offer you. You always come back with a negotiation. And so like she taught me the same thing and I was able to negotiate a nice salary jump myself. And so, yeah, I just want to be, just want to encourage the listeners that, you know, just know that you are worth it. And, you know, it's not always about money, but it is about, you know, how you can support yourself and your family and, you know, and how that just works with your life. So yeah, just many, many words of encouragement, but Peggy, I want to make sure that I give you the opportunity to tell the listeners where they can find you because you have a lot of knowledge and experience, uh, great insight. And so where they can find you on social media, your website, all that fun stuff. Sure. I have a private group on LinkedIn called Sacred Work, and it's a safe space for professional Christian women to get together and talk business, talk careers. We share strategies and support each other. So I'd love to connect with your listeners there on LinkedIn. My website, PeggyBetty.com, has leadership and career development resources for women. They can subscribe for free resources or they can call or email me because I do offer free leadership and career coaching. There's no catch. It's totally free. So I would encourage them to do that if they need any help on the topic that we talked about today or anything to do with leadership and career development. Awesome. Awesome. You guys, seriously, don't be afraid to reach out to her. She's a wealth of knowledge and it will do you so good personally and professionally. And Peggy, again, this has been magnificent. Just appreciate you spending the time to just connect and talk about this topic. And then hopefully we'll be able to have you on again sometime to talk more about just business and career and you to share your insights. So thank you so very much. Thank you, Erica. I enjoyed being here. Thank you. Congratulations to saying yes to yourself. Fill it up your cup, 
feed in your soul. If you want more, head over to faithinspiredpodcast.com for show notes and links to all the goodies mentioned in today's podcast. Don't forget to hit subscribe to keep you faith-inspired.